Okay, before I start again, I just want to say thank you for letting me interview you and thank you for trying to work with me since I couldn't schedule it properly right at the moment. So thank you. Well, you did you did wonderful. Uh, senior year is, is important, imperative. You have so many deadlines with applications and school visits and things like that. So I'm, I'm really appreciative that you actually taking out your time to be with us and, and be a part of this program. It's imperative to continue to show um, all that you offer to the city. And you've been in our program for many, many years and, it, and it's, it's special and it's significant. And I'm so, so proud and grateful to uh, Miss Brianna, who's the program coordinator for actually setting me up with you because I've known you when you were literally in your mom's stomach. So it's, it's awesome. And it's almost like full circle that now you have the opportunity to interview me in your senior year. So I'm glad that she made this connection and I have the ability to speak with you during your um, senior year in time. So thank you for taking out this time. No problem. Okay, I will start with the question. How do you see the advancement of social, economic, political, and cultural climate manifesting itself differently today than it, it did in the past? Okay, um, I, I see that it has um, definitely, it, it takes on a different voice and there's a different narrative um, today than there was in the past of the civil rights movement. Uh, in civil rights movement, there was very little um, opportunity and room for advancement for economic growth, uh, educational growth, and in the political sector as well. Um, it has con consistently been an effort to uh, muffle or smother the voice of Blacks and minorities um, in this country. And I see now where we uh, we still have that fight. You know, there is still still a, a very serious issue with systemic racism. But I love the power and the empowerment that our, our youth and millennials have this day, where they're continuing to um, make it very clear that you're not going to shut me up. Um, you know, I appreciate our ancestors and the, the foundation that our ancestors have lied laid for us. However, um, we are going to continue to fight and have a voice. So I like, I, I am very much moved by the, um, the millennials and the youth in this time where they've taken an, an active role in activism, um, more so with economic empowerment where um, they have continued to really expand the um, platform of entrepreneurship. I, I've never seen this many um, entrepreneurs start out at 15 years old um, and continue to build that platform and open the, um, you know, op op open the platform and the opportunities for entrepreneurship for our young black youth now. So I see that change that has happened um, different in the past. I, I think the climate is, is starting to get a little more um, turbulent. However, um, we've had the ability to um, voice it more. You know, there, there's many more platforms that give us the opportunity to get our voice heard, not just in our little community. You know, you have social media that's used for, for many sectors, but right now we have the capacity to use social media to, to really, I guess, build momentum and also spread our word nationally. So we're not just in our neighborhoods and in our little community. So that, that is probably the difference that I see as far as the advancement um, of economic and cultural climate change from that of our, our civil rights um, era, I would, I would say. Okay, this is a perfect piggyback to the next question. You can still see me, right? 
Okay. So how does social media play a role or the opposite within our society today? It supports within the civil rights movement. What opportunities do you have the do the youth have in the civil rights movement today? Um, social media can be, um, and, it, and it has become a platform that has been quite negative, um, as well as use. So I'll say the negatives. The, the negative um, issue with social media is that it continues to um, portray and provide uh, narratives and um, I'm stuck with the word, but it, it provides a very false idea of what life is supposed to be. Um, Unfortunately, many of our, our youth and our millennials believe that you have to have everything that is named brand. You have to be a, cer a certain size, a certain color. Your hair has to be a certain texture. Um, and and it, you have, they also have the capability of so much bullying and providing propaganda um, widely now with social media. And social media should always be a platform of, of use for the greater good and not something that continues to, to spread and, and literally put in your veins the negative um, negative things of this world. So that, that's the negative with social media and how so many individuals really live their lives on social media. You know, a lot of things that are on social media are false. Every, everything on there is not, um, is not reality, is not life, but unfortunately, trying to nurture and trying to build the proper culture for our youth has been very difficult because while while we're instilling these specific values in you as, as young black people, uh, minority individuals and some in marginalized communities, it is often being tainted with the, the, the falsehood of social media. So social media in, in that aspect has really dampened um, the mindset the values, um, the culture, and and I would say integrity and ethics of our, our community and our um, the way we live today. In, in a positive aspect for social media, you have the capabilities to expand your capacity. You know, we, we can speak today and our word can be heard in Los Angeles at the same time or Atlanta at the same time. And a, a lot of our youth are starting to follow a lot of our um, civil rights movement, a lot of our um, social media um, influencers that discuss what the movement means today and how they can get involved. The best thing that I love is that I believe social media was the foundation for a lot of your age and um, millennials to really become the leaders of the civil rights movement today. I'm, I'm extremely excited where our movement is going and that it actually has been um, led by people your age. You know, a lot of the marches, a lot of the civil rights uh, conversations, a lot of the platforms have actually come from individuals your age, like in high school, you know, and, th and that's the great thing about it, that we can spread the word and share so much inter information through social media that you can, you can get a lot of propaganda from there, but you can also see, you know, Sean King, um, Tamika Mallory, um, you know, I'm naming a few that just pop in my head, but there are so, so many civil rights activists that you're able to view daily, you know, in real time and be able to understand 
what they're working on right now and become a part of it. So that, that's how I think social media plays an active role. And um, I guess I don't always want to say educating because it does it does educate, but I believe that it it provides a great deal of empowerment to our youth as, as well as myself. You know, I go on there to put out our word, put out our message to um, brand the Urban League so that individuals your age and, and my age know what we do and know that we serve the communities. But there, there is also um, a way that you can engage individuals that will build on their economic wealth, their educational wealth, their cultural wealth, and their social wealth. Um, so that, that's, the, that's the feelings that I have in regards to social media actually playing an active role in the civil rights movement now, both positive and negative. Okay, thank you for answering that. Okay, I'll have the next question. So, okay, hold up. Okay. How are you active, how are you an active participant in the civil rights movement of the past and present? It's, it's, it's wild because I read this question and I thought, um, wow, I really did play a part in the civil rights movement as a very, very young child. I remember when I was probably about seven or eight and Jesse Jackson was running for the president and I was that small handing out fly flyers, going to his rallies with my, my mom and my grandmother, my, my grandmother and grandfather. They actually marched with um, Martin Luther King and, and they did a lot of the sit-ins. When I was uh, in my freshman and sophomore year at Cheney University, which is the first black HBCU, honey, we're not gonna go there, but the first black historical college um, Cheney University, I, I participated in a sit-in and I was very proud of that. I was, a, I was a freshman. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I knew something was going on on top of the hill and I need to be a part of it. And we actually, we actually caused a sit-in because once you get to college, you'll, real, you'll understand that with student loans, sometimes they overpay you and you get these um, refund checks. And they refused to speak with us in regards to the backlog of refund checks, as well as they, they wanted to exclude a professor that had a strong civil rights background for, for something that wasn't um, at that time known if he was guilty or not. So we went to the administrators and the president's office and we staged a sit-in for two days. We spent the night in there, we, we sat and we started to discuss the civil rights movement and our professors that had um, a foot in it. One of my, my professors in uh, college was Mrs. Blackman. And she had, she's Coretta Scott King's sister. And when I tell you, I, I, I learned more in that course than I have in my lifetime in regards to spoon loading and what it meant, you know, to be sold as a slave. Um, I have documents that I purchased. Um, she, she sold them. a few. When I sold a few, she actually gave us a few um, in regards to the documents that she had with um, sold slaves. Um, spoon loading is, is when they brought slaves over um, on the bottom of a ship and they were this is like the top of a spoon, this is the bottom of the spoon where they leveled them in, in rows. Um, the conversations that we had with, with Mrs. Blackman and the civil rights movement marching, being, you know, being the sister-in-law to Martin Luther King was dramatic in my understanding of what civil rights meant to me. I, I, I wasn't really clear of it for a good while. Um, when I went to high school and middle school, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. We didn't understand racism the way you guys understand racism today. Um, it was it was kind of clouded. But that was my first 
introduction to um, civil rights when I was eight, handing out um, flyers for Jesse Jackson because he was the first black that was running for um, presidency. And knowing that my grandmother was beat, you know, with um, with a black jack for for marching with uh Martin Luther King and also being arrested for that, her, she and her brothers, and then um, my sit-in. And now with the Urban League, th this has been the most enriching um, and, and most, I, I, I have never been so grateful to be employed in an agency that I have now to be able to serve my Black people and assisting them to have a greater um, quality of life and sustainability. Okay, that was very interesting. I, I love how like your family has history with that because like I don't think I know my family were involved in something similar, but I just don't know the full details. And like for you to know the full details and actually be a part of it is really great. So well make sure you do your your mother and your father has a has a great deal of history in that. And one thing I learned, you know, one time I was I actually social media, I posted um a picture that because of work, I'm not able to get home to see my family much, but I posted a picture um, just a little while ago that I had the opportunity to go back to one Chester, Philadelphia and Delaware to see my grandparents. And my daughter even told me that several of her friends, most of her friends don't even have their grandparents. I went to go see my grandparents and my great grandparents. And um, someone put on there, make sure you, you talk to them and get as much history and information as you can while they're here because you know, a lot of our culture, a lot of our history as Blacks and um, minorities is lost because we don't have those conversations to find out what their history was like and, you know, how their their life in the civil rights movement was, where, where their family or parents are part of the slavery movement, um, the civil rights movement. So make sure you get all you can, you know, and talk to them about it while, while they are in your presence. Okay. Thank you, and we're gonna move on to the next question. Okay, here we go. What has changed the most for you over the last 50 years, and what has changed the least? Well, sweetheart, let me tell you, the fine woman, woman I am, I am not 50. So knowing what occurred, <laughs> I'm popping closer there, but I'm not there, but, um, what I know of the civil rights movement and um, what has changed then it is, is really wild that most of America will, would say that we've had significant change. And I would say we've had some change, but a lot of um, the racism that occurred 50 years ago is still current today. It's, it's just very clouded um, with, with these other practices um, like redlining with the digital divide that you had to deal with yourself at, you know, in 2021, 2020, that is, that is serious systemic racism. That's the same racism that they had when they were spraying blacks with um, water hoses and with adults. It's no different. Um, there, there are so many policies in the government that are, I would say formed honestly to continue to keep blacks and minorities um, at the very bottom of the barrel. So I, I think that we've had some change. Um, we've had a black president and it was hell for him. It, it's becoming hell for the, the first black female president. But I would say we've had change 
in the part that we see more of our friends that are white and um, of other nationalities walking with us. You know, when we had the, the, the empowerment movement of George Floyd, that was national. And we had a lot of support from our, our white brothers and sisters and other nationalities, you know, to fight for justice. And back then you were literally gonna die, you know, die for it. And, and back then our, um, our people had no problem with dying for their rights. Today, I'm not sure so many, <laughs> you know, we're like, we're gonna fight, but it, the minute it looks like they might take my life, I'm, I'm gonna back off, bro. I'm gonna back off, I'm not gonna do it. But um, that's the change that I see is that we will fight, but we won't fight and give our lives for it today, but we will continue to um, march at different levels with, with a diversity of individuals. Um, something that I, I do not appreciate now um, is that you have so many corporations that there, there are some that really want to be a part of the solution and, and are really starting to identify. And now, see, I, I don't know why everyone's like, oh, now I understand. Like, how could you not um, want to be a part of the DEI, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion? And we still have these conversations that we want to be a part of DEI, you know, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. To be honest, if you're a company that believes that you're a part of the solution and you want to have these DEI conversations, then you're, you're truly so far behind the ball because we should never have DEI. There, there's no, we should not have diversity, equity, and inclusion in a workplace. If you have that, then that means that clearly you've identified that you have promoted some type of culture in that. We should not be having DEI all over the place that they're throwing around as this really sexy word to be a part of breaking down the barriers of systemic racism. It's still there. It's just um, consistently blanketed with these, with these wonderful actions and words that they use. So I, I see a little bit of progress to be perfectly honest, um, but I don't see as much as many may say that, oh, we progress so much. We have a woman in, in the presidency. We have, you know, blacks here and there, but you consistently still um, ensure that there are barriers for blacks to succeed and sustain. Um, so there's little, there's a lot that can be done, um, but we have to continue to be vibrant, um, vocal and um, persistent. And, and what we want our generations and legacies to have. Yeah, I understand that completely because a lot of companies are trying to be like, oh, we're Black Lives Matter, but yet you have other things because it's not just Black Lives Matter. It can be like gay lives matter, trans lives matter. It can be like all the other type of economic or like political backgrounds and stuff. They're trying to be, oh, we're inclusive. We didn't include everyone like you're just saying that, but do you, are you gonna show it though? That's the thing, because like a lot of companies are like that, and like I totally agree what you just said. With it's just it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like you gotta have um, it's it's wild because I am I am one hundred percent behind trans lives matter um um LGBTQIA community all everything you know um there should not be any type of harm ignorance um, to, to any, any population. But what, what really bothers me is that 
there will be a whole shutdown and there will be a whole, um, I guess I would say, um, outrage when someone says something about the LBGTQ community, but it's not the same when you said something about the black community or, you know, like, like the head coach that was fired now all of a sudden for saying that another coach had lips the size of a um, Goodyear tires, but it was brought to their attention when he said something about trans lives and gay lives. So, you know, it's wild that they continue to put those on the same level nowhere near it, nowhere near it. And a lot of times many things are highlighted more or bring light to it after there's a, well, they said something that's transphobic. They said something that's, and, and they're trying to put these movements together when they are 1000% opposite. There, there is no comparison whatsoever. And there should not be more light on one than the other, but we blacks still don't get the attention or the movement sometimes until there's like, well, trans lives matter. They said something about uh, they're transphobic and things like that. So it's just, um, we, we have a lot of work to do, a, a lot of work to do in, in this country. This country, I think this country more than, than, than most other countries. I completely agree. I really do. I completely agree. Okay, we're gonna move on to the next question. Okay, so this is the next question. When you think of social, economic, political and cultural development, what comes to mind regarding their impact on your life, past and present? What comes to mind regarding your family? That's a, a big compound question. So I'm going to pull out my handy dandy notebook, if you know what that was with um, Blue Schools. <laughs> what matters most of that is that they have the opportunity, that we have the opportunity to... Um, my family and generations beyond I me, mean, not just not just my family, but all black families, um, Hispanics, Latinos, and all minorities, that they have the ability, they have the tools, they have the equal rights to um, to to attain um, economic development, um, cultural development, and that we provide the space for them and the support for these minorities to be able to succeed and excel. We, have, we haven't did that in many, many years. Right now we're providing the smallest of plat platforms for these individuals to succeed and receive the support um, that our white counterparts receive. So that's what's most important to me, that we can um, make sure that our generations, our minorities receive the same type of support, um, resources, and um, financial support that, that our white counterparts have that continues to succeed in society. All right, she must have left and <laughs> is trying to come back. Uh, do you wanna answer another question? Sure, I can answer, um, let me see, was it something different that I sent you for, um, for her, because I know they're, they're doing editing and they know how to edit these things out. So, um, what did I send you? Um, I guess the last one, probably, what was my earliest experience with National Urban League? Um, when I was younger, I actually thought the National Urban League and the NAACP was the same thing. And many individuals feel it is, it is the same thing. Um, and we do work together on the same platform. Um, however, the National Urban League, as well as the Greater Baltimore Urban League, our responsibility is to make sure that we bring all of the parties to the table and that we can discuss um, amicably 
the needs for our communities. So um, when I first, my first introduction to National Urban League was when I was probably in 11th grade, when we had the, the sit down, um, one of my friends, said that she was going to call the Urban League so that the Urban League can come up there and make them give us our money. So that was my first understanding of the Urban League. And then my first work or um, interaction and participation in the Urban League was when I moved here um, from Pennsylvania, which was in 2000. And I began to attend their events, um, donate, donate money, um, go to their, their parties and their fundraisers. And um, as far as working with some of the programs, I didn't work with the programs so much, but I provided support and finances to their events. Um, so that was, my, that was my first experience with um, the Urban League. And I know now um, working, working with teams and, and having the, the blessing of being a part of the Urban League and having an amazing group of individuals to lead service to our fellow man, it has been the best experience that I've ever had. And um, there's never part of me that will not be a part of the Urban League forever. So um, that's my first introduction to the Urban League. And, you know, when I started working with the Urban League and providing my support, my leadership, my skills and my experience and ensuring that I continue that forever for, for everyone. Excellent. Do you have anything else you would like to say? Any closing remarks? No, I would just like to really encourage um, our millennials, our youth, our young to continue to lead this, this uh, movement that it, it should never get stagnant. It should never um, get smothered. It, it, there is never a time where we can relax and say things are good. You know, at, at one point we were like, okay, Biden is in, you know, we can, we can breathe now, but where we are today with um, the civil rights movement, um, you know, the, the ignorance of um, the LBGTQ community, the ignorance of the border and immigrants, that we should never feel like we're over the hill. Um, we don't have to feel smothered, but there is never a time that we should take our foot off the gas. Right now, we need to press on the gas more often because they are consistently trying to um, eradicate us as well as our rights for voting, um, our rights to economic development and growth. Um, they are trying to stunt and remove our education from us. Um, it, there, there was no mistake in the digital divide. The digital divide wasn't just a hat stance or um, a mistake or they didn't provide. That, that's the consistent um, conversation and narrative but if you look at the resources in the inner cities and the urban communities, um, that, that hasn't changed. That's, that's across the nation where there is a huge divide. It just exacerbates when we have these pandemics. And, and, and please make sure that we don't get confused that COVID is, is a pandemic. We still have a pandemic on the police and their brutality. They're, they're, not only is it their brutality, they are... Um, virtually exposed all over the world and have no content, no, no problem with continuing to whoop our ass um, in public. So th there is definitely um, a pandemic on the judicial system, on our education, on um, us having fair and quality housing, us having fair and quality 
employment that is going to help us, you know, grow and sustain our families. So that that I, I want to be sure that we don't ever feel like we're above water and that we can relax and sit back because we're not in that space. I see Varia is back now. So, hey, Varia. Yeah. I've, I've answered some I'm, more questions. I'm sorry. My Wi-Fi went out and I, I like everyone's, you know, my mom's stuff went out. I am so sorry. I didn't. It's funny. Not at all. It happens. I, I did. I expected mine to, mine to go out. Um, but that's just what we were talking about, you know, discussing um, the digital divide. It's real. Yeah. You know, it's real that communities that we live in, we don't have access and broadband and, you know, 5G was around a long time ago. We're just getting light to it. And in the communities that are dense with um, marginalized individuals, Blacks, immigrants, undocumented citizens, uh, it's nothing new to us. So I was just telling Brianna and, and answering the question, is there something else I'd like to say before we close, is that we don't take our foot off the gas and demanding what we what we deserve. Um, I, 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 I listened to the interview with um, our mayor, Brandon, which was exceptional, extremely exceptional. And one thing that we, we need to know and understand is that Blacks built this country. Everything that all whites have and Blacks have is, be, is on the backs of Blacks. And we, and we continue to carry this world on our back with, with this racism, with this police brutality. We still continue to thrive. Um, they still mock us and they still try to um, not only do they mock us, they they try they they try to be us. Um, so it is very wild that they try to knock us down so bad. But in so much of their um, athleticism and their work and their their grunt, um, it's all of the strength of the black man and black woman. So I want to make sure that our youth and our, our our millennials, our young and our old, continue to demand what we deserve. Um, this is all ours. This whole land is ours is ours and, and indigenous people. Um, so there's no reason why we should be second class or take a, take a second seat or feel like we have to take a second seat to any of our Anglo-Saxon uh, people. Um, some are brothers and sisters. I, I will say that I, I have a lot of um, Anglo-Saxon and um, mongoloid white people that, that I truly love and I truly believe are for us, um, but they will never have to experience what we experience as blacks ever the privilege that they have just by showing up is um is a, is a is a silver spoon that they receive so i want to make sure that our youth continue to be empowered and that you guys take over the world because it's about you it's not um the youth are our future you are our now um it's not about in the future you guys are really moving moving mountains and and developing the footprint and the blueprint for how we need to support you in this movement so Brianna asked if there was anything else that I wanted to say, and that was pretty much it. She asked me all the other questions, but there's another question that you have that you want to ask me before we finish. Um, definitely feel free. Um, honestly, I think like today was really, um, our interview was really productive and I learned a lot more than I like I needed to, which is a good thing because like I love learning about other things from like older people especially because like we the youth doesn't know everything this is also another thing that kind of is a problem with us we don't know everything and, and we like, don't either and we don't either yeah but you but but like the older people or like the 
Uh, millennials? Well, one before the millennials. I don't know the name of them. But, like, like, and they've, they've been here baby more boomers. longer than us. I'm not going to say baby boomers. <laughs> I just didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that because I know you're not a baby boomer. So, <laughs> no, I, I consider myself a millennial. No, I'm not. But, <laughs> but yeah, I just like, I, it's like y'all, you have been here longer than us and you do know more than us. But at the same time, we, we could teach you guys something, especially because we're in the digital age and that's what we were born in. But you guys weren't born in that. So you can teach us stuff for outside of that. So that's like, we just both need each other. We don't, we can't just depend on one thing we just we both need each other so that was great and I love the fact that like it was it was really productive I really liked it and I'm so sorry that my internet went out I was so upset I was like no I mean, you believe me you don't have to the, I, I mean to say that I'm glad it did happen is not what I mean but it just shows it just shows what we're speaking about how there is a divide and how we have these connection issues and how we need to be in safe places, safe spaces and be able to provide a platform where you don't have to worry about it. You know, is it my community? Is it, am I somewhere where we, we have, you know, files or, or the, um, I forget the name of, I, I have files where it's um, microfiber or whatever, but um, no, it's, it's fine. It just shows what we're living in right now and how we, we continue to press on. You came back, you didn't give up. And, and that's what Blacks need to do. We don't give up for anything. So I, I don't care if you came back on your cell phone. That's what we don't do. And that's our message that we need to make sure that we empower, encourage, and support and stand behind our youth to not give up. There's not a damn thing on earth you can't do. If, if Blacks built this earth and we continue, we, we didn't just build it, we're still building it they're just living off of it so if we continue to make sure that you feel that and you know that and that okay that was that was broadband that cut off but to know that you, you don't give up I'm going to come back and I'm going to keep keep pushing that that's our word and that's um that's how we need to make sure we provide that that consistent conversation in you all that there is nothing you can't do if, if they died for it then you can continue to push forward and make it because nobody's making you die for broadband I mean, kind of they are, but they. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you. And I really hope everyone has a great day. And hopefully no more technical difficulties falls upon this house or anyone else. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, it was an honor. And uh, it, it was definitely a, pr a privilege for me to be able to speak with you and to be interviewed by you. It, it really was an honor because it's just full circle of of what we are as a community and family. So Brianna couldn't have did a better job with um, partnering me with you because you're family. You've been family since, like I said, before you before you were born. It wasn't a mistake that she did this. Um, she, she's brilliant and bright. Um, but it wasn't a mistake that as you end out your year in the Urban League um, and all the time you put in, that she partnered us in such an important um, conversation. So I'm honored. It, it is my privilege and honor to be um, interviewed by you. And I, I wish you the best. I can't wait to be at your graduation because I'm going to be there with my mask, but I'm going to be there um, just to see full circle how you have continued to be um, such an amazing leader in Baltimore. You, you represented you represented the nation for Baltimore with the National Urban League. You you were our ambassador, and, and that meant a lot. When I saw your name, I was like, yes! 
I was like, Mari, Mari is ambassador. And then your mom got on for, you know, like the parents talk. So um, I am beyond proud of you. I am beyond um, excited to be behind you as a leader and to push you to your greatest possibilities. Um, I can't wait till you go to college and see you, you know, you, you move through that and continue to assume the leadership roles that you're built to do. Um, I thank you for being responsible, for being honorable, um, for having the ability to commit to something like this with, with your crazy schedule of being a senior and, and still come through because I know I know it wasn't easy, but that's, that's our mission. As I, told, I was telling Brianna, our mission for anyone in our program is to build you all into unique leaders. And that's what you are. You're responsible, you're dependable, you're unique. Um, you're a black leader, you're a black powerful woman um, that is coming to existence that's gonna lead this nation. So I am I'm honored to be able to conversate with you and be in your presence because I can't wait to look on TV and say, oh my God, like she interviewed me sometimes. So I appreciate your time and thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Can, may I ask a question? Oh gosh. <laughs> What does she want? Yes, ma'am. What do you want? Okay. So the Urban League, the Greater Baltimore Urban League was established in 1924. That's almost 100 years ago. And you are the first Black female president and CEO. So um, what do you think are the barriers for Black women and femmes in executive leadership? And what do you think needs to be done to overcome them? Yes, sir. You have, you have trampled me with that. Um, one, one thing that, that I read and that I, I thoroughly stand behind is that I'm not, I'm not grateful to be the first Black female because Black is what I am and who I am. And to be the first Black actually absolutely means absolutely nothing to me. But being the first female means everything to me. That, um, that they had the love and the respect that a woman could do it. Um, we have many barriers. I, I still have barriers, you know, in my own community and my in my own um, profession of lead, leading a civil rights organization and human resources, where I I battle um, the government. You know, I, I actually have written a lot of policy, a lot of information to go and to go through our legislative process. I've given testimony, um, but it's imperative that women continue to lead this struggle. I think women are equal to men. Um, I'm not gonna say we're above and I'm not gonna say we don't need them because I, I, will always, I always believe that women should stand alongside of the black man and continue to empower the black man because um, the black man has continued to be um, masculated and it is something that, um, that I'm totally against. So I, I love that Black women are in leadership and that we continue to thrive. And I want us to continue to reach the heights because we, we are, um, if not equal, I'm not going to say above, but um, we deserve everything that everyone else deserves. Um, it is very difficult to be a Black woman in leadership because you're always viewed as um, argumentative, aggressive, angry, um, depressed, stressed, um, I mean, any, any, any negative term they can give to black women, um, we've received, but the blessing about it is that we can take it and we can chew it and spit it out right back at them, that it hasn't stopped anything, that we continue to exceed and um, excel and succeed, and that we continue to build and empower both men and women in leadership. So um, 
I think I answered your question. I'm not positive, but it has been a blessing to be a black woman in leadership because what's important to me, what I want to leave as a legacy for a black woman in leadership is that I continue to develop and build more, not just black women, minority women, um, Hispanic women, um, women of the indigenous community, all minorities to, to feel empowered and that they can make an impact in this world. And, and you don't have to be a specific color to do that. And, and more so, um, we are doing it at greater heights as, as minorities, black women, um, black and brown women. So that, that's important to me. And I'm gonna keep fighting. I'm gonna go right up in the boardroom and be black with my heels or my chucks, with my nappy hair or my curly hair, with my big lips that I love that y'all keep putting silicone in to look like this. Um, and I'm gonna keep speaking the way I want to, whether it articulates properly or you say I speak like I'm from the ghetto or I speak white. I don't speak white. I can articulate. That's what that means. So I'm going to go in every boardroom and not um, be apologetic of what black woman I am, whether thick or thin, and what we can provide and what we will provide to this community. And we're not going to beg to be in any any spaces. We're there or we're not. Um, and when we are there, we're be you're a better place with us because try to live this world without black women and see where you go. That's all I got to say. Yay. Awesome. That was all I have. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It wasn't as bad as I thought. See. <laughs> thank yeah. you 